What is happening, Browns fans? My name is Brad Ward. I am your host of All Eyes on Cleveland. Mike is on the ones and twos. Tonight is the Browns 53-man roster react show uh, that we are pleased to bring you. And I am pleased to announce the guests next to me, the one and only Jake Burns of the OBR in the OBR Film Room Breakdown. How are we doing tonight, Jake? I'm great, Brad. Thanks for having me, man. Of course. Yeah, this is kind of a, you know, we're going to react. We're going to talk through kind of uh, the last uh, 48 hours, which have been very busy, uh, obviously, uh, you know, as they are every year. But uh, oh, so important this year with the expectations and whatnot. Let's just kind of start off. I just want to get your over kind of overarching thoughts of everything that's kind of happened in the past 48 hours. We have a 53. I don't think it's completely final yet or at least potentially might not be completely final yet uh where are you at with that i don't know i lean toward it being pretty close to final i thought we, yeah. if we could see some change brad we probably would have seen it uh, okay. around around gathering a defensive end right they left camp with three there they broke the you know the day of the deadline with three seven linebackers were like okay this makes sense this might be a spot where they add somebody seeing as how i was mildly surprised they let go of porter gustin really surprised and in turn they let go of joe jackson because i'm like okay well what are they going to do here and they bring both of those guys back um obviously bringing porter back to the practice squad and then obviously uh being able to bring uh joe jackson back to the active roster so because you know my thought process with that position was this is a little uncomfortable because you can you trust tack and Clowney to be a part of the roster for 17 games you know you sign them with that envision you know envisioning that scenario but you don't you don't know so you get nervous there, but bringing those two guys back who are familiar with things uh, makes me feel at ease a little bit. But that was the spot I thought things could change. Thought maybe they could claim a corner or a safety, but they decided not to, and that was the best decision. I, I think that they were okay with what they had. You know, Sheldrick Redwine, a couple guys got away, but I think this is a lot of who they're going to be. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll head on. We can talk more about defensive end and cornerback later because I have a couple questions for you there. Those are kind of my two. Uh, not that I feel like it's a problem, but if I had any concerns, that's where they lie. Just a little bit because of, you know, the injury proneness to the guys that are starting, right? You know, there's a little bit of injury history there with clowny, tax, dependability. And then, you know, we can talk about defensive end a little bit right now if you want, Jake. But, you know, those guys, Joe Jackson, I thought was better than the other guys, Curtis Weaver and... Cameron Malvo, Cameron Malvo was was better than Curtis Weaver, uh, but the three of them really had a, about a month there, Jake, where they had a, a ton of opportunities to step up and grab that fourth defensive end position. Uh, you were missing Tag McKinley. You had uh, Clowney and Garrett sitting out most of the time on the sidelines. I mean, these guys had a real legit chance to grab that job, and nobody really did. Yeah, I can't say anybody really did from our perspective. I don't think it was all too easy to figure that out. Um, okay. You know, I if they wanted to go out and trade for somebody or, or claim somebody, I think they could have. I don't think the claims were as as, uh, as fruitful as some of us thought they might be as, in terms of guys who actually were able to be let go. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm fine. I'm fine with Porter Gustin and, and Joe Jackson handling maybe whoever's in that role. It seems like Joe Jackson will be like the 15 snaps a game. I just think they're going to be okay and not heavily counted on. But also they're talented enough. I don't think Joe Jackson and Porter Gustin are just like, 
you know, dead bodies out there. They can, no. they, can they can rush the passer and play the run well enough. You know, they're not bad. You're obviously not going to count on, you know, you're not going to count on them. Hopefully you're not counting on them. And if they do run into a situation where maybe Clowney gets hurt early, anybody, I'm not trying to, and it's certainly a knock on wood thing there, I'm not trying to say somebody's going to get hurt early or anything, but like, if that scenario popped up, they could go check the market, see what's out there. I think Everson Griffin's a free. There's there's some free agents out there at that position that they could go entertain for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. If they, if they got forced into it, I'm sure they could react that way. You're right. Uh, biggest, uh, you said that you were surprised about Gustin, but let's kind of uh, you know talk about kind of maybe the story of everything. Uh, not everything. The biggest story uh, from camp coming away from camp is of course Malik McDowell. Uh, you know, he's getting a lot of national attention, uh, and it's an awesome story, in my opinion. You know, we going way back, we did a show with a guy that worked him out at, at the uh, college uh, gridiron showcase free agent day, and he had had an interaction with him last year when he worked him out there and kind of said, talked to us about how he was kind of changing his life around right when he was put on the roster. Going all the way back to that, to now him actually getting on the roster, I thought it was a long shot, especially when he wasn't playing early on. But, man, what a beast he looked like in those games, Jake. And, I mean, we're talking about, I think at this point, I mean, he could be a key contributor, right? I think he could be. I mean, he he had, I think, 40 snaps. If I have this up here in front of me, I want to make sure I'm reading this right. He only had 44 snaps. Well, the guys who had the most pressures on the team, Cameron Malvo led with seven. He had a fantastic game there in, uh, in Atlanta. Yeah. But, you know, 86 snaps for Malvo, 86 for Elliott, 87 for Joe Jackson, 80, uh, 99 for Curtis Weaver, 98 for Tommy Togi. Only 44 snaps for, for Malik McDowell and, you know, only 24 rush snaps. And he created four pressures, two sacks, one hit, one hurry. I mean, that's impressive stuff. He had, he had six stop plays. Stop plays are what Pro Football Focus labels as. It's a pretty simple simple label. I always kind of say it on my podcast, but it's 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 negate it's anything that's a negative for the offense, you know, a zero gain or a loss of yards or something along those lines. So, yeah, I mean, the guy who showed the 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 ability that led to him being picked in the you know second round of the draft in seventeen, and a guy who can certainly play in space as a three tech or in in a tight shade technique, tall, lanky, can get his arms out and affect people with his arm length. So I'm I'm with it. I think he's. Upside alone is worth it. A guy who flashed moves, flashed the ability to get past people by either strength or speed, which is something I did not see enough of from guys around his his roster spot. Jordan Elliott was able to elevate himself, in my opinion, to put himself in the spot to uh, be in a similar a similar status where he was actually making some plays, which which uh, yielded you know the idea that he has to be on the roster. So what I liked about McDowell's a, a guy that has a pass rush plan. He can if he knows he can bull rush. He's going to. He showed a long arm. He showed a, a club rip. Those things that you need to do. Those little subtle moves that you gain experience with. And there's talent. There's talent there with this guy. There's no doubt about it. And the innate things that you need a guy to do, especially for somebody who took so many years away from the game, Brad, to uh, to be able to handle that is pretty impressive. It really is. And uh, and even to I mean, just an awesome story. You know, everybody deserves second chance, even a third chance. And to be a guy that was in prison. Uh, to overcome his demons and, and get to the point where he is right now, like I applaud him, and, and I'm going to be rooting for him big time for sure. I love the story. It's a great story. It's a great story, man. I mean, you know, ultimately what we want people to do if they've made mistakes, and it's not for me to decide or you know, it's not for anybody to really decide whether he ran out of opportunities. You, the, uh, you deserve the opportunities you get. 
if you're really skilled at something, you're going to get opportunities. And uh, that's what happened for him. And I, you, you root for people to reform, right? And I think I think it seems like he's on the path to, to reformation. And if he can, he can stay on the straight and narrow and can continue to do all the right things, which football structure is so important for him. You know, he talked about that. Brad, where he was like, I was out of football for the first time in my life, and I have that yeah. ATV accident. I lost all my structure. Uh, everybody gave up on me, and I just didn't know where I was in life and what I was doing and where I was going. And that stuff is like it, people don't always handle it that well. So he didn't handle it well. There's no doubt about it. He made mistakes, and those mistakes cost him a lot of money, cost him four years of playing football. But ultimately, you hope people can find a way to get back on the right track. And it seems like he's back on the right track. He'll have a short leash. If he messes up, the Browns will probably move on from him. But for now, he's a high upside player who's who's a great story about turning your life around. Yeah, and not to mention he was a kid when all that happened. I mean, you know. Early 20s, that... man, you can you can ruin your life. You can make your life greater. <laughs> you can ruin it. You really can. And and right. that sucks. It's an unfortunate thing, you know, because you're still, you're still young in your maturity process. You don't really know who you are as a person. You can make mistakes that you're held accountable for for the next 60 years of your life. So you just want people to find happiness and, and make the right decisions and do the right things. And it seems like he's on the path to do that stuff. Yeah, certainly I'm not proud of many of the things I did when I was 20, 22 years old. And, and uh, I look back on that now, like, uh, what the hell was I thinking? And, and, I'm, and I'm sure that, you know, uh, some things, a lot of people feel that way. So. Uh, it's just part of life, and uh, I'm just glad that he's been able to turn it around, and I'm rooting for him big time. Not to mention that his the, what he can bring to this team potentially could be huge. I mean, because as you mentioned, the guys around him have been a little bit under underwhelming uh, in camp, right? Like we, you know, I thought Sheldon Day played well. I was that was one of my surprise like cuts off the 53, but I get why when you when you keep Togi because of the 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 uh, draft capital investment, mm-hmm. but you know. I thought he deserved to make the team, to be honest. Uh, any thoughts on Sheldon Day getting cut? Yeah, I, I didn't expect it. But, I, again, when you were looking at the numbers game and balancing out the now and the later and trying to keep Tommy Togiai from being exposed and claimed, it made sense. He's a vested veteran, so he could come back as we saw him come back. I imagine yeah. he will be a part of active game day rosters. He'll be a part of the four protected players. Uh, he will get a chance in 2021 to, to be a part of this team and, and make some sort of impact. So I, I fully expect he'll get his chance. They just the weird that's weird. The weird thing about the NFL is how you have to finagle things to protect your young players. And you also try to take advantage of having some of those fringe vested veterans around so that you can release them and bring them back on those agreements. And it works out well here. Sheldon Day's back. I, I think he'll be a nice part of things this year. And and uh, you know, I we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I, I expect him to be a part of every everything they have. Uh, in some, in, whether it's just practice squad, but as one of the four protected practice squad players, and then at some point injuries will happen and he'll get elevated. I have no doubt. Yeah, um, I'm glad to see him back too, and that that'll be one of our questions later here. Let's, let's bring up some uh, the actual roster here and, and take a look at some things, Jake. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, fire this baby up. Here's tonight's show. There's the man right there. He just looks looks menacing, doesn't he? Sure does. I don't want to get in his way. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's uh, real quick. We're just I just wanted to throw this up here just for people. Just you know, because of everything going on the last couple of days, some people don't totally understand the whole waivers process. So just real quick, player who actually gets cut from their team and has less than four years of service time is placed on waivers. Uh, it then goes in you know reverse draft order, right of the 
or draft order, I suppose, uh, of the uh, their waiver wire uh, priority. Uh, they can place a claim on those players and add them to the 53-man roster. If they make it through waivers unclaimed, they're free to sign with any team, as we saw with uh, one of the Browns players. Who was it again? Uh, Marvin Wilson signed with the Eagles yep. practice squad after not going claimed. Uh, so that's how that works, pretty much. Uh, if you're over that four years of service, you become an immediate free agent, right? And yep. and that's uh, you don't see a ton of those guys, but um, you know, it, it's you want to have them around because it gives you flexibility. I mean, that's, that's what yes. you want to you want to go find. It's rare to find them, you know, guys who can be a part of your active roster when you need them but are also still kind of on that fringe that you can let them go and bring them back. That, those types, you need those guys around uh, to, to, to be in, you know, a position where you can help your team now, but also help your team later. So that's a big thing, especially for, for keeping the balance of some of those picks, those fourth, fifth, sixth round picks who just aren't ready yet. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I'm going to actually bring up a different graphic here, a little bit better, easier to see. All right, so I adjusted this to the Jacob Phillips news and whatnot, right? So this is my adjusted 53, and I threw Demetric Felton in here at wide receiver, but this is ends up being 25 and 25 for right now and three. Um, so pretty even. Uh, they have 10, uh, you know, Offensive lineman right now, the word right now is, you know, initially I was under the impression that Michael Dunn would be put on IR. He has not been put there yet. Jake, do you have any news on that or do you know anything? And if he does go to the IR, uh, who would you expect them to put back on the 53? Well, I'm not totally sure who they're putting back on. Um, from from the list of practice squad guys, uh, I'd, ha- I'd have to look at it again. I'm not again. I'm not totally sure. I know they claimed somebody from the Texans today, but yeah. if Dunn's back is as bad as it seems, they they will have to IR him because it's just a four game sentence there, and they'll okay. need some game day healthy players at that position. I mean, they have Hans, they have Harris, they have Hubbard, they have Hudson. So then maybe they're okay there, Brad. They might just feel like nine is okay to carry into game days, yeah. but. They That's will. what I thought. That's what I yeah. thought. I thought maybe uh, Elijah Lee might get back on the fifty-three. It, it could. It could. It's just they're, they're they have a lot of linebackers, but again, those linebackers can be a great part of your specials too. So that could be in a, a way they end up going. It is a lot of linebackers. Uh, so that brings me to my next question. You know, biggest surprises of of this of their original fifty-three, and I'll show the defense here too a little bit. Uh, any anything that really shocked you? Not anything that really shocked me necessarily. I think that the, the Port Augustine Joe Jackson initially was an interesting thing. I expected Sheldick Redwine to be cut. I thought Richard LeCount had taken that job just because he had performed well. They were no both battling for safety. I think people were confused that Javante Moffitt and, and Sheldrick Redwine, that's not the, they don't play the same position. One's a safety, one's a free, and one's a strong. And uh, I wasn't surprised to see that that uh, he wasn't ultimately not going to be able to to make the roster shelter because Richard LeCount had performed well. He's young. They wanted him around. And I just also didn't think that that uh, Shelter Credwine has been very good. You know, he had a couple of interceptions where the ball landed in his lap uh, from terrible quarterback throws this past year. But he's been, as far as like every down play, he's been pretty bad. So uh, I'm not surprised. I, I was a little surprised he, he was put on an active roster. We'll see if he goes into the season on the Jets' active roster, and maybe they will. I'm not sure. He can only really play center field. That's about the only thing I think I, I would be comfortable uh, having him play. Split safety, 
asking him to cover in, in a lot of scenarios where he's down trying to read route concepts, not good, not a great tackler. No. Uh, I was more than fine to see him go. You know, it sounds kind of harsh there, but that's just the, the fact for me. No, I felt the same way. Uh, I was begging somebody to, to beat him out for that job, and I think that LeCount thoroughly did that. And he does get a, he gets an opportunity with the Jets, obviously, there. You can make the connection uh, with Joe Woods to Robert Sala, and he does have some experience in that, you know, the cover three scheme that they're going to run probably there in, in with the Jets now, I would assume, with Sala, right? Correct, yep. Yeah, so there's a, that connection. we got a question here. I'll throw this up uh, before I give you my surprise uh, that kind of shocked me. But James wants to know if you think anybody else will be put on the IR. He said he thought he heard Nick Harris was going on, too. I thought Nick Harris played well enough Sunday to prove that he doesn't need to do that. I don't know of anybody else going on the IR as of now. I feel like okay. when they did the Jacob Phillips news, they would have done that, too. Uh, mm-hmm. for another position but that's just a hunch i don't i don't think there's anybody else hurt enough to justify that kind of move right now all right so my other surprise uh, you know why two surprises i already mentioned sheldon day i'll bring up my other one is I, I actually was really surprised that tony fields made the original 53 I, now i guess it makes sense draft wise right uh but i mean he played he practiced one day jake can you kind of explain that to me a guy they like i mean you gotta you, we just this is my opinion that I continue to learn and evolve with. They're going to keep young players. So yes. if he's healthy enough to play, they're going to keep him and they like him enough. Then, and they saw a little bit of him earlier before he had the second injury there. I just, I think they, they want to give these young guys a chance to play and prove that they can play. And, and they have so many linebackers anyway, that if he's not ready to play right away, they're not going to lose anything. He'll be a game day inactive. So they like him. He moves well in space. I like his tape. I think he can be a decent enough role player. Um, yeah at that position so while i'm a little bit surprised from the fact that like you know availability is the best ability he didn't practice much but they're not just going to give up on him this quick they're going to they're going to let him try to prove his worth on the fringe of the 53 with a non-active situation but if he has great practices then maybe he does get out there and play but there's also the injury stuff and we know how the cycle goes so um yeah we'll 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 see where that ultimately ends but i I do think you're going to see tony fields at some point down the line on an active roster game day wise Okay, awesome. Uh, now, I kind of switched things around. The, the Brown site sells Jacob Phillips on this roster and stuff, and it, it's switched around, and they have uh, Mac Wilson in there. I guess we'll breach that topic later about who you think is, you know, depth chart-wise. But I, I do want to revisit real quickly with you uh, before we move on this interior defensive line room. Okay, so Togi Eye's in, Elliott's in, and McDowell, Jackson, Billings. Billings was getting killed by a lot of people because of his performance. Uh, I just think you think he's got to knock off some rust. Or, or are you okay with what you saw? Uh, you know, he struggled a bit in the preseason, right? Yeah, I didn't think he played all too well. But, you know, how, how high was his desire to go out and fight people, you know, and right in the preseason? They need a guy who can be a depth player at the shade position. We'll see. I'm not optimistic on what 2021 looks like for him. I think people have way too high of expectations, and we forget that Cincinnati, who does not have a very deep defensive line anyway, <laughs> and signed Larry Ogunjobi on the contrary, just said, hey, man, we're going to let him go. Yeah. So th- there's that's just a thing. Like th- If Cincinnati wanted him bad enough, they would have paid him. And a lot like we felt very apathetic about Larry Ogunjobi leaving, that's the same way the Bengals felt about, you know, Billings. Uh, about Billings leaving. So... He's a fringe. He's a fringe player. He's a, he looks like a guy who should be able to eat double teams and handle anchoring at the point, but at the point of attack. But he doesn't do it well. But yeah. can he do it? Can he do it enough in twenty five ish snaps a game? We'll see. 
Otherwise, they got they got McDowell, they got Elliott, and guys who are hungry to come take that role if he can't handle it. Sheldon Day, yeah. too. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The connection there, I think, is maybe, you know, if he continues to not work out, you know, Day can play that same role, right? Uh, yeah, size absolutely. Wise and, and uh, McDowell, McDowell can play both of those spots as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jordan Elliott uh, also didn't have the greatest camp, but played really well in the Atlanta game. I thought he was terrific, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was a story. I didn't know this story, and maybe you did, Jake, and have talked about it. He came to camp, I guess, after doing the running drill. Nate Ulrich reported this is where I heard this on, on an interview. Mm-hmm. That a Day originally came to camp, uh, and they said, you're too light. They're like, you were doing this running drill all off season. You're way too light. We need you to gain like 15, 20 pounds. Uh, and so do you think that potentially could have been a reason that he was kind of maybe a slow starter in camp? It's really hard to put on weight when you're working out every day in camp, I'm sure. Yeah, and I think they bumped him out to play a little defensive end there in the, in, towards the end of the game uh, against the Falcons because they're trying to figure out where he can play if he's active, right? So if they're trying to do a little bit of that, then it would make sense why his weight has become a, a bit a touch of an issue. I think he's fine uh, in the right pass situations, but – yeah, he's not a big guy, so he's not going to anchor as well as you would like him to anchor against downhill rushing attacks. Like he might not be a guy you play against Baltimore a ton, but I, you know, for for a little role in a, in a game, fifteen twenty snaps, he can handle it, and he can he can be flexible enough to play outside too. All right, very good. Uh, let's take a look real quickly uh, while we're looking at stuff here at the practice squad. Okay. Uh, we've got IR guys. Here's our practice squad. Jamarcus Bradley, Sheldon Day, Jordan Franks, Porter Gustin, John Kelly, Elijah Lee, Jamonte Moffitt, Nick Mullins, JoJo Natson, Johnny Stanton, Curtis Weaver, and then they added Jordan Steckler from the Texans. Uh, at, you know, not in time to have this up here uh, or up on the Browns' website. Um, Hodge goes to Detroit. Marvin Wilson goes to the Eagles. Sheldrick Redwine lands with the Jets. Colby Gossett to Atlanta. Three of those were waivers. One was a post-waiver sign. Uh, we mentioned that already, Marvin Wilson. Anyone you thought uh, that uh, got through that you didn't think would get through? Uh, from the Brown side? Is yes. that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah, like that the Browns um, got back that you didn't yeah, think yeah, they would get yeah. back. Not entirely. I thought Jamarcus Bradley could maybe be claimed by somebody. Uh, not totally surprised that he didn't end up getting claimed. Um, I was, I was surprised on the contrary about, about Colby Gossett being claimed. I did not, yes, did not see that one coming entirely, but, uh, no, not really. I, I, I think they got back a lot of the people we thought they could get back. I thought the total number of claims was a little lower than I thought it would be, uh, you know, for whatever that's worth. That's just a, a little thing that caught my eye. I was like, oh, there's not very many, uh, there not as many here. claims as I was expecting there. So not, not at all. Not at all surprised by that, I guess. But yeah, no, I, I didn't leave it thinking like, ah, oh, man, that guy got away. I didn't think he was going to. I thought Hodge would get claimed. Uh, definitely thought Hodge would get claimed. Didn't think Gossett would. And I, I, I had a hunch that Marvin Wilson would end up going somewhere else. I just, I didn't think the Browns were very enthusiastic about how he was playing. I wasn't enthusiastic about how he's playing, and I think he no. felt like he was pretty blocked uh, from the from the near future of playing here. So I wasn't surprised to see him go. 
Yeah, you know, despite, like we said, kind of disappointing performances by some in that room, there's a lot of guys in front of him, right? Yeah. So, uh, definitely. Uh, who are your favorite guys that came back? Or guys that you wanted to make sure come back? Maybe, like, give me, like, two or three guys that you're really happy that got back on the practice squad. I like to contribute. Oh, my bad, Brad. Yeah, I like Javante Moffitt. I think he's a guy who's got comfort. I like. I look at guys who can come in and play right away. So they've yeah. had exposure to the system for for a year plus. Now the plus would be that they were in camp this year. Moffitt played so many snaps. Grant uh, Grant Delpit and, and Ronnie Harrison missed time, extensive time in camp. So that meant Moffitt was playing a ton of strong safety snaps. So many reps for him with the first team that if something happened there, I would have no issue with him coming in and playing. I think he proved that he can come in and play. So I like that element for him. Uh, I like his ability to do that in a, in a pinch. So I was happy to get him back, happy to get Porter Gustin back because that's a guy who has 16 games now, add two more at, at the end of last year. So 18 games of experience in the system, in the defense, with the, with the personnel here. Another guy come in in a pinch. He can be up on the active game day roster, be more than fine. And then I like Jordan Franks too. I really like that young tight end. <laughs> I think he moves well. I think he's a nice fit for what they like their third tight end to do. And uh, I just like having that ability. If they want to bring up a fourth tight end, I think I could trust him to handle, you know, eight snaps in a game and be a special teams player who can run and make plays down the field. Yeah, I mean, uh, my three guys I wrote down were Day, Moffitt, and Frank. So I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when they go three tight ends on the 53. You have Franks there as your fourth. I think that's beautiful. I think he did a nice job and looked good in the preseason. You know, Day, I think, was huge to get back. Obviously, I thought he was uh, a nice contributor and maybe he was going to make the 53. And then uh, you you said it with Moffitt. I mean, he played so many downs. And with that safety room, with the history of Delbit and whatnot, if it, if it got down to it, you have a guy that's at least played in the scheme some, right? Yep. Uh, this practice squad is, tell me, <clears throat> I don't remember, to be honest with you, probably for lack of paying enough attention to the practice squad. But compared to past practice squads, uh, Jake, doesn't this seem like more of they're just all Browns guys? They're guys that have been here for a while. Yeah, the familiarity is huge, man. It's really huge because what you're looking for again, and I think the Browns, I'm sure if you got Andrew Barry to talk about this and and even Stefanski because I'm sure they're on the same page here, is – You want guys, with the way COVID went, you want people who can come up and play. You always think back to the game against the Jets where you had to have wide receivers come up and play in a pinch. You need guys who are comfortable, man. So Moffitt, Day, Gustin, uh, you know, John Kelly's now been in the system for a little bit. Uh, Frank's is a comfortability with it. Like you just want guys who can come in and play. And as nice as it is to think, well, let's go sign these practice squad guys from other teams it's really hard for them to ever come in and be a factor, you know, like it's, it takes a while. The the perfect example of this is the trade that they made for Ronnie Harrison last year. It took him seven weeks to really get in the swing of the system. There's so much teaching you miss. There's so much comprehension from, uh, from a a word based semantic stuff with the playbook signals, communication. There's just a lot there that you miss. So in theory, it's like, yeah, we'll go get these fresh players here, there, the other, I think the teams only want to do this when they absolutely have to. Yeah. Um, you know, because introducing another player to a locker room is never easy. Uh, introducing a guy to the to the new system is never easy. And you really, more than any other years, and we learned so much last year. So even this year, as, as we don't think COVID will be as prevalent as it was last year. I mean, we're fingers crossed on that. Yeah. Uh, but you want guys to be able to come up and down from the roster uh, to, yeah. to join your roster when they, whenever they need to. And 
that's a big part of things, man. And, and being able to protect four of them every week. Uh, and, and I know there's some little minor loopholes in that, in the protection of four of them every week, but you know, it's just, it's just a nice thing to be able to do. And those guys are an extension of your roster. You're essentially have 57 people, you know? So that's, that's no a doubt. nice feature. Yeah, I mean, it, it's awesome. I mean, to just to see the Jojo Nets and Johnny Stan. I mean, you go through all these guys, you're like, oh, these were the guys that we were talking about as roster bubble guys and guys that we really wanted to keep around, but oh, the numbers game doesn't work out. Well, guess what? They're still here. So it's really nice. Elijah Lee, all these guys uh, have contributed in some way in the past, and I think that's really awesome. Uh, and it just uh, it bodes well for the Browns as far as depth goes as the season goes on, and it, which we found out, especially last year, can often be a war of attrition. You're watching All Eyes on Cleveland with special guest Jake Burns. Uh, this is a uh, uh, All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, tonight's show, the 53-man uh, roster react with Jake, and, and we're kind of doing a collaboration just so you know you can get this audio over at Jake's show as well, right, Jake, at the... Uh, yes, uh, sir. Uh, the OBR film room breakdown, so... Uh, you can get the audio at either show. Uh, so, all right. Three positions. Kind of you, three positions you would address if you could. Three positions I would address if I could. I think defensive end was at first uh, a position I would have addressed if I could. Don't feel the need to do that so much anymore. I would look okay. at another corner, perhaps. Uh, I think you could always look there if you wanted to. Uh, they need uh, offensive line depth would be really nice for them to get uh, another player uh, along the interior. You could feel comfortable kind of that way. Uh, other than that, I don't know. It's a pretty complete roster, Brad. Like, I don't think they need anything else. I mean, the defensive interior was a spot that we were most concerned about. But now we're I think now we're all feeling a little bit less concerned about it because of Elliot and, you know, because of uh, what McDowell. we saw from from McDowell. So. Yeah, I I don't I don't feel the need to get crazy uh, at those positions. I guess you could talk me into another another safety, but again, that's talking me into something. So, I think they're a pretty good position, man. Here here's where I'm at. I feel really good about the roster uh, all the way through. I you know I feel good that they have that they got their edges back. You know. In, in on the practice squad. So in case of emergency break class, you got guys there that can come in and play. Uh, I, I'm not really high on them. I do think Joe Jackson played better than the rest of them, the rest of the bunch on the practice squad. So I'm glad he got back on the 53. His length causes some problems, I think, off the edge. Uh, and he was able to show that in some preseason games. He flashed a little bit, I think. Where my main concern is, and, and you, I mean, you don't seem to feel this way. I'm not a fan of MJ Stewart. I never have been. I just don't think that – I think they could do better there. And here's my fear, right? Okay, like we saw – our fears were realized last year when, you know, Greedy was out for the season. Uh, without uh, Money Mitchell, they would have been totally screwed because he played more downs than any cornerback in the freaking NFL. Uh, you know, talk about durability. And Denzel Ward, you know, with his injury history – Okay, A.J. Green, I feel really good about how he's developed, and I'm glad that he's on the 53 and everything, but I just don't want to see end up seeing, you know, Troy Hill on the outside with A.J. Green on the outside and M.J. Stewart in the slot, and I wouldn't really feel too great about that situation. Uh, I guess I was hoping they could do better than M.J. Stewart. I was hoping that, and I think that there, there's no corners on the practice squad, so 
it's incomplete, right? I think we'll see some corners get added to the practice squad, don't you? I would think so, yeah. I think you could have Keandre Thomas back maybe, uh, some of those little wrinkle uh, types there. But, yeah, it's it's uh, it's something I'm with you. I could see them trying to get a better player there, but, you know, you got to also uh, look at MJ Stewart can play a little bit of safety too, and they like that flexibility. Yeah. They, they, they kind of listed him as a safety, right? Yeah, they have. Uh, I still have him down a corner. I know they've listed him at safety, and, and I know that for him, adding that to his, his repertoire – uh, certainly made him more versatile, right, and, and more valuable to them a, as a roster member. Uh, I just worry about their depth at corner, I guess. Uh, yeah, with 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 greedy and Denzel, I, I'm with you, man. I'm gonna always be worried about the depth at corner. I want, I preach this way back to the draft. Like, I want as many as many cover guys as I can possibly have at all times. Yes, so, yes. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, with these guys, I'm always gonna worry about it a little bit. But you know, th- there's. There's only 53, and I'm not downplaying what you're saying, Brad, at all. There, there, there's no. just uh, you can only have so many dudes, right? Yeah. Um, it's nice that MJ Stewart has added the ability to play some safety. I'll give him some credit there, uh, yeah. a little bit of credit there. But yeah, that's I'm with you. If, the, if there's a spot that injury scares you, it's it's the edge with Clowney, and then challenging the depth there, and then and then it's corner too. If if Greedy and and Denzel end up missing time, yeah, uh, I agree. You feel you feel great about the roster as a whole is this the best roster you've seen browns roster you've seen and you know obviously in 20 years probably yeah yeah i think that's pretty safe to say the most talented group <laughs> that we have seen and they're not without fault you know they're they have yeah. some some spots that concern me still i'm sure they have some spots that concern you still places that you can see it going downhill in in, in certain circumstances but i it's the most talented group i've seen and uh, they're in a nice position this year and next year to capitalize before some of those bigger contracts kick in, right? So that's no nice. Doubt. No doubt. Uh, I am going to uh, bring this up. You're watching All Eyes on Cleveland. I have a couple voicemails to play here, Jake, and we're going to answer these questions if you don't mind. Let's do it. Uh, let me uh, throw these up, and, and then we'll wrap things up here. Uh, as we've kind of uh, exhausted the 53 and the practice squad, I think, for the most part, unless you have anything else you want to hit on. No, we nailed it. That's plenty. All right, let me uh, go ahead and get these uh, questions answered for uh, for some – some. Uh, they're good questions, I think, and it will lead us to the last conversation that I wanted to have tonight with you. Uh, and thank you for your time, as always, sir. You're a gentleman and a scholar. Uh, let's uh, start out with his uh, – he has two questions. This is, this is my guy, Nick Farmer. He is a member over at All Eyes on Cleveland, so thank him for that first and foremost. Uh, but, yeah, let's get his uh, questions answered. Uh, first one here. Hey, Brad. This is uh, Nick Farmer coming at you from College Station, Texas. And uh, my question was, with Parky going to IR, do you think it would be a wise move to maybe move a little draft capital to bring in a more sure thing at kicker to just kind of shore up that position for the season? Thanks. Um, thoughts on, uh, kicker there, Jake. Um, I don't know. The only guy that caught my eye, I saw Austin Seibert was claimed. It's like Nick, Nick, uh, sorry, Zane Gonzalez and Austin Seibert. And it's like all these it's like, <laughs> all like former Brown Browns. kicker roulette going on around the NFL. But, it is. um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think that anyone caught my eye really other than Badgley out there in, in, uh, San Diego or whatever it is, LA now from the chargers. And then, 
Nick Folk that the Patriots Folk. let go, but I didn't see if either of those guys were claimed. Uh, I, do I didn't not. see it either. I know Nick Folk was 93% last year and two for three from over 50 yards. I was like kind of thinking, you know, eh. But yep. uh, I don't feel terrible about uh, McLaughlin, McFly, I call him. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't feel terrible about him. I mean, he missed an extra point, but you know, uh, into the dog pound in the wind. I mean, he, he was pretty decent for the most part. Uh, yeah, I, I think the ball comes off his foot fine. He deserves an opportunity. He kicked well in camp. You know, we'll see. You know, this stuff is is fickle and it's capricious with kickers. You never know when they're going to change, when the when the things are going to work against them and they get the shanks or the yips, and you hope that one kick there against Atlanta at the end wasn't a sign of something of that nature. But, um, yeah, I, I think he deserves the opportunity to start the year. Where it goes from there, we'll see. Yeah, you know, Jake, I hate talking about kickers so much, but you know, on a team like this, they can be so it can be so important, right? Like uh, uh, the difference between two or three games is everything in the schedule, so uh, it will be important. But you know, if like you said, if he if he does explode, it's it's the NFL. You can go grab somebody off the street, you know, the next week, and and it, it's shown in the past that guys teams have done that, and that guy has gone on to be fantastic for the rest of the year. So it's kind of like you said, it's a very fickle situation. It is, it is, it, but you want a guy, you know, you want a guy who's around for a little while. And I thought Parky had a chance to be that guy, so a little disappointing there. But you know, go with the most talent and guy who's who's earned himself a chance to be the guy and you know we'll go from there and parky wasn't perfect so it's not that you know it's not that damning but you would like to have some sort of settled feeling about that position you know nobody wants Absolutely. to be lingering with kickers yeah year to year you don't want to be uh diving into to a new uh a new player every year all right let's uh uh do one more here of these and this will lead us to our final conversation of the night and then we'll get you out of here okay jake yes sir one second Throw up our other. This is also Nick Farmer again, very astute with his questions tonight, <laughs> uh, and I appreciate him. Anybody can go to uh, www.alleyesoncleveland.com and leave a voicemail whenever you'd like, and we will play it on the show, uh, just as we are doing right now. So feel free to voice your opinion. Caller station Texas again. Uh, what's up with Mac Wilson? He's been listed as a starter for a lot of the preseason. Everything I've been hearing, you know, is, you know, he's been great in camp, but I mean, generally, you know, I, I thought, I thought the general consensus was that he really doesn't have it. So, I mean, are they trying to challenge him or is he actually, you know, seen that view, viewed that well by the front office? Thanks again. Go Browns. Yeah. So, you know, Nick kind of making the point there of his, you know, where they were at with, with him last year. They've had him listed as a starter on their depth chart. Not that that means anything on the website. I really don't think it does mean anything uh, when it comes to actual downs played. But uh, I understand where his question comes from. Uh, we did hear trade rumors about him a little bit, right, uh, Jake? We heard that maybe they were shopping him a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if there's anything to that. Uh, do you think there was anything to that? And... Uh, do you value Mac Wilson as a as a a uh, part of this linebacker room? He has some flexibility to play multiple positions and be a guy who can play the run a little bit. I think he brings some balance to what they do. Malcolm Smith can handle the pass side of things. He's very adept in coverage. I think they view JOK and Anthony Walker as the guys who are going to play the most for them. 
but they want a guy who can be a thumper, who's a mixture of a little bit of coverage instincts, a mixture of uh, a guy who can play Sam with Sione Takitaki potentially missing the start of the year. Uh, they want him to be able, a guy who can be able to step up, play under front, right near the line of scrimmage. So he's got some flexibility, but if he didn't last all 17 games, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. I, I, I think he's at the back end of this roster. I thought he was a guy they were choosing between uh, Mac and Elijah Lee for that final uh, linebacker roster spot, and really? it, it played its it played itself out to be uh, in favor of Mac. But you know, I, I'm not I'm not bent out of shape one way or the other about this. There are folks on social media who just cannot accept when their guy doesn't get selected. I, you know, his role will not be that big for this team. It just it just won't. So I'm not going to lose a ton of sleep over it. They have guys they want to play in front of him. But if he needs to play, he's got three years of experience. He was here in the system last year. He cares a lot about the Browns. He cares a lot about this whole process. You know, he's not the most gifted player. He's uh, he's his track record is not it's not great. It's not it's not great in terms of performance. But again, a guy who can handle roles uh, that they want a, a, a fluid player in uh, all three linebacker spots, and I think they can play him without feeling too terrible about him being on the field. But there are better guys at the at the specific individual skill set that will play over him. Week one. Jake, is it gonna be JOK out there right away? You think? I do. I do. I think it'll be JOK and Anthony Walker, and they'll mix Malcolm Smith in in coverage situations. We'll see who's playing Sam. You know, if the Chiefs don't run a ton of twelve or thirteen personnel or even twenty-one personnel, they don't do that stuff really at all. So they won't. It'll be a two-linebacker type of game. If they need a third backer, or a Sam guy to be a run support edge player, uh, they'll they'll. We'll see if Taki's healthy. If not, I bet I would imagine they'll they'll bring in Mac to handle that role a little bit. Who is the backup Mike with Jacob Phillips going on to the uh IR? I would I would imagine it's Malcolm Smith. I would imagine they put him out there uh, and handle that role. Uh they they could eventually down the line let JOK be able to to feel that role out a little bit too. So that's my best guess. We're just we're just going to have to see because I don't have a great feel for it. They they moved everybody everywhere. That's the thing they do in the preseason is they move everybody around they want to see where they can play so it's hard to like well he's at at mike on this series but the next series he's at will and etc etc so uh yeah tough tough to tell but my best guess would be malcolm smith because they like uh joe woods talked about in the building the browns that just came out a guy who that you know the locker room loves the position group they they view him as a father figure i know anthony walker's that too but you gotta remember malcolm smith was here last year he's been in he's been in real situations he's a super bowl mvp he's seen He's seen big time moments, so the guys have two figures like that at the linebacker room for all these young players, and that means something, man. So that's cool to I, see. Yeah, definitely good to have both of those guys uh, uh, on the roster in there. You know, week to week, affecting that room as a whole. Uh, that was my question about you know. I was hoping you were going to say that because it's like Jeremiah Wilson Koromoa. You know, week one versus the Chiefs. This is why you have a guy like that, right, for yeah. this team. So. You yep. want to see him out there right away, and, and I hope that he is. Uh, um, the This defense is going to take some time to gel probably. You know, uh, they haven't – they didn't get a ton of reps with all their players together uh, in this camp because it was more important to keep them healthy, right? Yeah, get, get them to week one, man. They got a little yeah. tune up there all together in Atlanta, about 17 snaps for the guys who were important parts of this defense. Even uh, – even Jackson got some snaps. Malik Jackson got some snaps inside. So, yeah, I think I think they just wanted to get to week one, and it's a great test to start. You know, you go, 
You go to KC, you face one of the most explosive offenses. You face the best quarterback in the month of September the NFL's probably ever seen. If you want to be amazed by something, go look up Pat Mahomes' September record and September stats. They're actually mind-numbingly crazy. Um, and then you you get that test right off the bat. This is the best the league has to offer. And then you come home for two very, very winnable games that you're going to be heavily favored in with, between uh, Houston to open and, and the Bears uh, the third week who might still be starting Andy Dalton. So I love the start, man. To get a great test right off the jump, see where we're at. Let's let's challenge ourselves in a hostile environment, and then let's come home to uh, if we win that game, you know, you're really off to the you're off to the races. But even if you don't, it's not the end of the year. Come home and get two winnable games under your belt and play in front of your fans again, and you know, feel good about things, right? Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, with the Chiefs on the schedule, I think it could it doesn't come in any better place than Week One, right? Because if you go and you lose, you're not really supposed to win. Uh, and the next time you face them is probably going to be late in the playoffs again. So you're going to be a completely different team. So I like the way that that sets up. And it challenges them right away, and they go on the road right away, and then they can come home and maybe win a home opener. So, uh, Jake, thoughts on are they getting ready for uh, Kansas City today already? Oh, 100%. Yes? Yeah. I mean, All right. They they trimmed it down. They got it right. They're viewing this as game week, man. So, yeah, they're, they're ready to go and uh, knocking out all things Chiefs as we speak. Beautiful. Uh, Jake Burns, all of his work over at the OBR, the OBR Film Room Breakdown uh, podcast that you can get where all popular podcasts are found, Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff. Make sure you go uh, listen to his. I mean, he's putting out stuff daily, so you got to make sure you listen to that stuff. It's always fantastic. Uh, even on vacation, you pre-recorded stuff. I was, I was amazed, Jake. Amazing. I have no life, Brad. I have no life. I talk Browns every night stare at a computer screen, wake up the next day, take care of my son, do it again, man. So, yeah, I mean, I guess if you're into solo podcasts about four times a week, I bring on a guest, you know, I'll have this one I post with you, but I'll bring on a guest every now and again, but it's mostly me just rambling. So if you're into that kind of podcast, I got one for you. So well, at least you don't have to do like double, double sessions tonight, right? So <laughs> that's you right. Know, turn around and do another one. So that's good. I'll right. uh, give you a little bit of a break. And then uh, you can catch all you guys are always on Twitch all the time. I'm watching you guys. Uh, you guys have a ton of followers over there and it's a ton of fun. You guys have a bunch of different personalities and a bunch of different points of view and it's really great. So you guys should go follow OBR on Twitch for sure. Uh, and Jake, thank you so much for your time. You are, uh, a friend, a friend of the show and I appreciate your time as always, my man. Likewise, Brad. Thanks for having me on, man. Nothing but respect, buddy. Always. Take it easy. We'll be right back after the short break. And we're back. Big thanks to Jake Burns, the OBR, the OBR Film Room Breakdown, where you can catch this episode of this show. You can also catch it at All Eyes on Cleveland Podcast, where all popular podcasts are found. Uh, and I, I do want to mention that uh, you can go to our website, uh, www.alleyesoncleveland.com. We have uh, all of the uh, YouTube shows there, all of the audio shows there. Uh, it's pretty cool. And the website's awesome. You can, like you did with uh, tonight, Kyle, like Kyle did, you can uh, uh, 
uh, leave a voicemail, any thoughts you have on the rounds, and we will gladly play it on the air like I did tonight. Even queued it up with some pictures and everything. Uh, so uh, that's cool to do. I do want to say thank you to uh, our members over at All Eyes on Cleveland. When you go to the website, you can become a member uh, and get exclusive content that I'm always posting my thoughts on the Browns on and other different information and writings. And big thanks to our two members so far, Robert Schallner and Nick Farmer, who did send in the uh, voicemail tonight. Nick's a big, big, big part of the show tonight, so big thanks to Nick. Uh, and thank you to them for becoming members over at all eyes on Cleveland. You can also become a member by going to the link below, clicking on that, and supporting the work that we do here at All Eyes on Cleveland. We appreciate it if you do want to support us, and uh, you know, uh, we appreciate that. And you can get that exclusive content as well. Um, yeah, so check out the website, become a member. It's in the link below and at the website. Hit subscribe, hit like on the on the uh, show here tonight. And uh, keep coming back, tell a friend. Uh, before we get out of here tonight, I do want to say that tomorrow night we will be live again with not just me, but a bunch of your favorite podcast hosts as we do the podcast versus podcast fantasy football league draft. Uh, there are 12 teams, including Dog uh, Pound Daily. Uh, Fire and Brimstone, who won it last year. All of your favorite, uh, the Dogs Table. Uh, all you know to not just to name a couple. Uh, two Green Podcasts, uh, two Green Brown Podcasts. There's, uh, uh, I, I know I'm missing a bunch of them, and they'll yell at me. But uh, all of them there. Uh, there is also a uh, Dallas Cowboys podcast involved in this. We did it last year. Fire and Brimstone won it, but we are doing the live draft tomorrow night. It will be co-hosted with Jackson McCurry, and we will be joined by members of the other teams drafting. It should be a ton of fun, the live podcast versus podcast draft live stream right here on All Eyes on Cleveland YouTube. Hit the like button. Hit subscribe on your way out. We appreciate you watching tonight, and uh, keep coming back. Uh, Brown's looking good here. We, I mean, we're closing in on game week. Just, uh, you know, schedule-wise, before I say goodbye, uh, I have Michael Ragai scheduled for next week. He's going to talk about his thoughts on the season uh, and bring it strong like he always does. Michael Ragai coming in. We'll have Joe Valerio X, offensive lineman from the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, host of the Believe in Chiefs podcast. He's going to join us to talk some Chiefs. Uh, and uh, many others as we close in on game week, week one, and we could not be more excited. My name is Brad Ward. I'm your host of All Eyes on Cleveland. Mikey is on the ones and twos. And with that, uh, thanks for watching. We are out.